0: Sermon number five of this series: Stress factors. Anybody been blessed by the series? Stress factors. Just learning how to deal with things that cause us stress. And today uh, we want to talk from this subject: Our wait. That's that's the subject. Anybody ever found yourself in God's waiting room? That's what we're talking about today. Somebody just say, I'll wait. wait. We've been in this series for several weeks, and today I, I thought that we'd spend some time talking about another stress factor, another cause of stress, another source of stress, and that is the stress of delay, the stress of having to wait. There are few things in life that irritate us more than having to wait. Waiting in line at Walmart. Waiting for somebody to to start their car and move from in front of the gas pump that they stopped pumping gas at five minutes ago. Waiting at the grocery store. Waiting for somebody who's late to show up. Waiting for the doctor in the waiting room. Waiting for somebody to get dressed. Anybody else have a problem when it's time to wait? Let me be open and honest because I've been so for the past five weeks, so I don't want to stop today. I'm a part-time patient person. I'm just being real. I'm not always patient. I'm part-time patient. But there's one time that it's, it's really difficult for me to wait. It's one time I'm really, really impatient, and that's when I'm hungry. For that reason, I don't go out to eat with everybody because some people act like you gotta write a term paper to order from a menu. (laughs) It's tough for me to wait in restaurants, especially because the menu is online. Look before we go so we don't have to linger long. The more expensive the restaurant, the longer you got to wait. you got to wait at least five times when you go out to dinner. you got to wait to be seated. You have to wait for a menu. You have to wait to order. You have to wait for your meal. Then you have to wait for the bill, and you always have to wait for ranch. I don't care where you go. I know we have service, but I always end up being the one who's waiting. Most of us would rather do anything except wait. Write this down. The shortest amount of time known to man is the time when you're sitting at a stoplight with a side seat driver, the light turns green, and they says it's, it's green. Yeah. I want to put everybody out in my car who does that. It irritates me to no end. If you wanted to drive, you should have gotten this seat. I'll pull off when I'm good and doggone ready to. <clears throat> <laughs> a study discovered that 90% of those who have heart attacks have type A behavior. And the number one characteristic of type A behavior is that they are habitually impatient. Problem with that is sometimes we just have to wait on God. And this can be difficult. It's been said that God's waiting room is the most difficult and unpleasant part of the Christian experience. I mean, have you ever been in a hurry and God wasn't? Sometimes it's when dealing with God and his promises or our prayers, we have to realize that there is nothing we can do to rush God and anything we try will not work. We'll just have to say, I'll wait. And somebody's waiting right now. You're waiting on him for expectations. You're waiting on God for an explanation. You're waiting on God for a restoration. And when we we need a miracle, sometimes we got to wait. We have an urgent answer to a question. We still have to wait. We have to wait for him to meet our needs. We have to wait for him to remove a hurt. We have to wait for him to solve a problem. But in James chapter 5, he gives us some illustrations. He talks about a prophet. He talks about a farmer. And he talks about a man named Job. And he says if we look at one of these three or collectively at these three, we can learn some patience, and, and let me just talk to somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to, but this is for you, not the person sitting next to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> you're going to need this lesson because at some point in your life, you're going to have to wait on God. How do you, how do we, how do, how do we normally react? When God is not moving as fast as we'd like him to. Some of us give up. Some of us lose faith. Some of us get frustrated. Some of us cry. Some of us complain. Some of us cuss. Amen. But I want you today to to, to make up your mind that when God is not moving as quick as I'm anticipating or asking him to move, I'll wait. Let's get into the outline. Number one, because I understand that waiting time is a time for preparation. It's it's a time for preparation. Let the church say preparation. And and then James gives us a clear example uh, when he talks about the farmer. It's in James chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to what he says. Be patient, therefore, brothers, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He, James is telling us, when you, you, you're ready, when you're anxious, when you're waiting on God, and remember, they were catching hell in the book of James. The, the, the crowd he's writing to, they're not at a party. They're scattered. They're being persecuted. They're suffering. Then he says, you've got to be patient. Because there's no such thing as an overnight harvest. We just had our first Sunday farm stand. Anybody in here grow things, let me see your hand. Tell me if I'm right. First you plant, then you wait. There are no microwave greens that pop up out the ground. What does a planter, what does a farmer do after he or she plants seeds in the ground Uh, Do do they go and sit on their hands for six months and watch TV? No, the whole time Help me now y'all The whole time you're waiting, you're still working The whole time you're waiting, you're cultivating What do you mean? The whole time you're waiting, you're watering The whole time you're waiting, you're weeding The whole time you're waiting, you're fertilizing. The whole time you're waiting, you're preparing And not only are you working On what you're looking for. You're working on where it's going. Because to have a harvest and no barns ready. Defeats the purpose. So I don't know who I'm talking to today. But while you're waiting on your fill in the blank. Your miracle. Your healing. Your deliverance. Your answer. This is a time for preparation. Patience is not passivity. Patience doesn't mean doing nothing. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of times It's really not us waiting on God It's God waiting on us to get ready The answer is ready The person requesting the answer is not Some things God has not moved on Because we're not grown up enough to receive it yet We're not mature enough to receive it yet. And he says, I'm not going to answer or bless you right now, because if I did, you would waste the blessing. So rather, listen to this, rather than disqualify me for not being ready, he develops me so that I will be ready to receive at the right time time. Somebody here right now, the light just went on in your head. Maybe he hadn't answered my prayer because my attitude ain't right. Maybe he hadn't answered my prayer because the only reason I want him to answer right now is so I can prove somebody else wrong. The only reason I want him to answer right now is so I can make somebody else feel bad. The only reason I want him to answer right now is so I can shine on somebody else. You don't need an answer. You need a healing. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's. Feel you are God's building. God wants to produce a harvest in your life and in mine, but the harvest he's looking for is called the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to harvest love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. These nine qualities... Present us with the perfect picture of Jesus Christ, and that is what God is trying to produce in your life and in my life. He's working on that fruit, and when our attitude is right, then miracles will happen. When our attitude matches the attitude of Christ, then he'll do exactly what we've been asking for because we'll respond the same way that Jesus would. So while you have a request being made known to God, you need to prepare yourself to receive what it is you're asking for. What do you mean you need to get ready to receive it? I've told you about this before. I've given you this illustration. Y'all know I love football. One of the things I love to see is when a quarterback and a receiver hook up on what is called a timing route. Say a timing route. A timing route is where a receiver has a specific route to run. The quarterback has a specific number of drop steps. He's going to go through his preparation, and then he's going to deliver the ball. Listen to this. Not to the receiver. He's going to throw the ball to the spot where the receiver should be. Understand what I'm saying. He's going to put the ball where he told the receiver to go now There are 11 other guys on the other side of the ball trying to keep the receiver from getting where he's supposed to be There's a cornerback trying to keep him from getting there There's a linebacker trying to get in his way and there's a safety trying to intimidate him from getting there by threatening Consequences if you come my way, but the receiver has to be quick enough to outmaneuver the cornerback He has to be smart enough to throw the linebacker off his read and then he has to be courageous enough to get to the spot even though there are some consequences waiting and if he's quick enough smart enough and courageous enough all he has to do when he gets there is throw his hands up. And if he throws his hands up, the quarterback puts the ball where only the receiver can receive it. I'm talking to somebody right now. How do I get myself ready? You've got to get past some people. You've got to get past some things, and you've got to get to some right places. And when you get there, all you've got to do is... That's why we're always telling you to get your hands up in worship because you never know when the quarterback is. He's looking your way but your hands up. I need about 100 people right now who won't mind giving your hands up letting the quarterback know whatever you're ready to throw my way, God, I'm ready for it. Whatever you're trying to put in my life, T, you don't understand how long I've had my hands up. My arms are tired. I've got something for you, Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not go weary of doing good. For in due season, we'll reap if, if we don't give up. Why shouldn't I give up? Because there's always a delay. You don't sow and reap in the same season. Only mushrooms (laughs) pop up overnight. But I don't care how much you like and remember that's just a fungus. Fungus grows quick. Fruitful things take time. There's always a waiting period. And you're not the first person to have to wait. Noah had to wait 120 years for a blessing and he didn't even know what it was. For 120 years, he talking about this go rain. They had never seen rain before. He just preached this go rain. What's rain? I don't know, but God said it's coming. Abraham had to wait 80 years. For a son. Well, he didn't have to wait 80 years for a son. He had Isaac. That ain't the promise. There's a difference between what I produce and what God promises. You got to know the difference. There's always a waiting time, there's always a delay. So God says, Be like the farmer. Don't sit around and do nothing while you wait for God to answer a prayer. Well, what do I do? What does the farmer do? Everything he can do. Why? Because when you've done all you can, God will do all you can't. Now, let me tell you, everything you do, is not going to speed up the growth process. Nothing you can do can turn overnight into you know, six months into overnight. God has to do it. But as the farmer does, we have to do in our lives. We have to do everything we do. So when we're waiting, know that waiting is a time for preparation. Let the church say preparation. Waiting is also a time for, number two, meditation. Meditation. James uses the Old Testament prophet. As an illustration, I'm going to explain to you how this equals meditation. James chapter 5 verse 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Now, the prophets were Men of God in the Old Testament, they were always inquisitive men. They were always asking God questions. And, and, and like us, many times when we ask God a question, we have to wait for answers. While you're waiting, use this as a time of meditation, a time to get silent to hear God. Habakkuk is a good example of an Old Testament prophet that learned the waiting game. Let me ask you a question to make sure I got some Habakkuk King folks in the room. Have you ever asked God a question? Somebody online right now, you think I'm talking about you. Have you ever asked God a question? Why me? God, why now? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me again? God, why are you allowing this? If you've ever asked God that question, this book is for you. Habakkuk when you read the book you see he came to God he's fed up he said God I don't like what's going on I know you see all these bad people are getting ahead I know you see all these wicked people are getting wealthy and good people are suffering he had a lot of questions and the book of Habakkuk is a book full of him questioning God. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 22 uh, says oh Lord how long Shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you won't save? I know I'm talking to somebody right now, especially right now, because we've been looking at all the injustice, all the evil and hate in the world. Is there anybody else wondering, God, why are you letting evil win? Why are you letting evil get away with evil? Why is it all right? For us to be cut down like grass? Why is it all right for us to be hunted like prey at the hands of a merciless predator? Let me tell you, let me tell you a little secret. Here's the, here's the cheat code. There's a difference between asking God a questioning and questioning who God is. You can't question God. You can ask God all the questions you want, just don't ever question who he is. Habakkuk 1 verse 13 he says you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he Habakkuk if you could sum Habakkuk up in two words it would just be God why that's all he did the whole book why God God why but I also want you to see what Habakkuk did after he asked God the questions, after he presented his case to God, after he cried out to God. He went off by himself. He got alone and he got into a time of meditation. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer <clears throat> concerning my complaint. He said, I'm just going to go by myself and get quiet. Listen to it in the Living Bible. He says, I'll climb my watchtower now, and I'll wait to see what God will give me about my complaint. The Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell others. These things that I have planned, listen to this now, won't happen right away, slowly, steadily. Surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't be in despair for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They'll come and they will not be overdue a single day. God said to Habakkuk, just hanging in. There. And I don't know who I'm talking to. You may be in the room. You may be online. That I'm talking to you. Somebody just look at your neighbor and say, hang in there. If you're watching online, just type in the comments, hang in there. Somebody may need to see it. I know it's tough, but hang in there. I know you're tired, but hang in there. I know you feel like giving up. I know you're discouraged. I know your faith is getting weak, but hang in there. Habakkuk did the right thing by getting along and getting quiet. Our problem is we ask God for an answer, then we walk out the door. And don't realize that your world is too noisy for you to hear his voice. Listen, God is not going to compete. The main line, we say Jesus on the main line, the main line does not have call waiting. If he calls and is busy, he hangs up. God is not going to answer until we take the time to, to listen. He's not going to answer until we stop and tune in to his frequency. So what should we do? Here's a Write this down. When I'm waiting to hear from heaven, I should hush. The problem is we pray to God, then complain to whoever listen. We pray to God, then we start singing, woe is me, looking for somebody to turn our solo into a symphony. Yeah. Yeah. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 26 says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And what he's talking about here is taking the time to be quiet so that you can do two things. Listen to God and learn about God. James gives us one caution. He gives us a warning. He says, while you're waiting, use this time as a time of preparation and then use it as a time of meditation. But look at the warning he gave in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold. The judge is standing at the door. Why did I bring this up? Because a lot of times, we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me bring it in your life and show you how we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain. Anybody here ever had to wait long at a restaurant or for an appointment or something like that? Let me see your hand. Has this ever come out of your mouth? I've been waiting long enough. I'd like to speak to a. Because I don't mind waiting as long as I can complain. Because complaining didn't take your weight away. You just wanted to hear, you just wanted somebody to hear how you felt about your having to. And when you complain, all you want is somebody to sympathize with you. They can come up. I'm so sorry, yes. I know your food is taking so long. It shouldn't take this long. And you feel better, but you're still hungry and your chicken ain't going to cook no faster. We just want you to hear how much of, a, of an inconvenience it is that we had to wait because we love complaining. James says, while you're waiting, don't complain because you can't listen and complain at the same time. <clears throat> I told you that, you know, the difference between complaining and praying is the audience. When you're talking to God, it's praying. When you complain to somebody else, it could be seen as you praying to Satan. You know why? Because you're letting him know he's winning. All you're doing is reinforcing what you're trying to get rid of. You wake up, you don't feel good. Oh my God, I just feel so bad. Did that make you feel better? Oh my God, I'm just so tired. Did that give you some strength? Oh my God, this old body man, I just got aches and pains. Did that take any of your aches and pains away? Complaints are music to the enemy's ear. You know why? Because a complaint is the opposite of speaking the word of faith. It's the opposite of speaking positively. It's the opposite of saying, I know the Lord will make a way. They keep you consumed with where you are rather than keeping you focused on where you're headed. So, so I need to use waiting. I'm, I'm almost done. This is short. Waiting as a time of preparation waiting as a time of meditation but then I also need to use waiting as a time for cooperation let the church say cooperation I'm going to explain it, it'll make sense in just a moment James chapter 5 verse 11 says behold we consider those blessed who remained steadfast you've heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful He said, you have seen what the Lord finally brought about, and what he finally brought about shows is he's full of compassion and mercy, but there's got to be the cooperation of Job. Job had tremendous patience. Just to give you some VBS background, because some of you missed it. Joe was the wealthiest man in the world. He was a devout believer, he was innocent. Of all the problems that came into his life in two 24-hour periods, Job lost his wealth, he lost his cattle, he lost his sheep, he lost his children. Everything he had was stolen by enemy nations. His servants were killed, his children died, and he developed an incurable, painful disease. In just 48 hours, his life fell apart. Then the Bible said his friends came. And at first they were good friends. How were they good friends? Because the Bible said they just sat there in silence. And for friends who want to be friends, let me tell you something. Sometimes when your friend is facing a crisis, they just need you to be there with them. Just show up. Leave your commentary at home. Just show up and shut up. I know that shut up offends somebody, but I hope you got what I'm saying. They were just there, and they were quiet, and everything was all right. Then they made the mistake of opening their mouths, And for several chapters... The Bible says they accused Job of every kind of wrong. They said, Job, come on, admit it, man. You've done something. God just wouldn't do this to you for no reason. You got some secret sins. You ain't confessing. And God is getting you back for it. And Job said, I'm innocent. I haven't done anything. And he was right. And later on, God rebuked Job's friend. He said he was right, you're wrong, you owe him an apology. He said there's another reason why Job's suffering is going on, but it's a spiritual, <clears throat> a spiritual thing. You know what I just realized? Not only did God know he can trust Job to trust him. When all he had to show for it was trouble. But he also knew he could trust Job's faith to hold up long enough so his fickle friends could see God for who he really is. Let me talk to somebody who may be in my ship rowing with me. Be careful not to get frustrated when God allows your life to be a stepping stone for somebody else to get closer to him. Sometimes God has to let you be mishandled so that he can show some people who are about to forfeit their favor how you ought to handle life whenever God lets it comes your way. Sometimes God lets us be afflicted so somebody else can be affected. Sometimes God will let us be attacked so somebody else can be anointed. Sometimes he'll let you get sick so somebody else will know he's a healer. Sometimes he lets you cry so somebody else will know he'll wipe tears away. Sometimes he lets your ship get wrecked so he'll show somebody else you can make it on broken pieces. Sometimes he lets you get in a storm to show somebody else he's a storm stopper. Job, he let these things happen to you. And you didn't fall apart. Had that been any one of us, we'd have been worrying, wondering, and whining. How do I know? Because we've gone through less and we've done all three. Look at these statements from Job. Job one twenty one, And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He hung in there. He kept his faith and he didn't withhold his praise. Some of us can't praise God in a storm. Some of us can't praise God when things are not going in our favor. But he said, I I came here with nothing, and if I leave with nothing, I ain't lost nothing. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name. Job 2 and 7 says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. When I read this, I said, God, you took everything else, but you left his nagging wife? (laughs) You couldn't have took her too? That's just me speaking up for Job. Then I realized Job could speak for himself. Verse 10, he said to her, you sound like a foolish woman. He you, lady, you a fool. Shall I receive good from God and we shall not receive evil in all this? He said, listen, God has been so good to me. He's already been better to me than I deserve. And if this is what I have to go through, so that he'll know I'm grateful for everything he's done for me, then this is what I'll deal with. Uh-uh. And this is probably my favorite statement of Job. Job 13, verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Yet will I argue my ways to his faith. Even if he takes my life, nothing'll take my faith. Job had every reason to doubt God. What is it in your life that you want to quit hoping for from God? What is it That you just want to give up on. Joe said, though he slay me, right now, while he's killing me, I still trust him. But I tell you what, he's going to hear it from me. Because in the next verse, he says, I'm going to make my complaint to God. Remember, I told you the difference between complaining to God and complaining to somebody else. Talking about it to somebody else is just complaining. Talking about it to God is actually praying. You keep reading, Joe kept saying, God, what? do? what's all this about? Mr. Brooks' version, what are you doing this to me for? What have I done? I know Joe's not the only one that ever wanted to ask, what have I done to deserve Let me tell you something, it's okay to complain to God. He did it in the Bible. Job argued, he got angry, he cried, he moaned, he complained, but he never gave up on his faith. Let me tell you something, God can take your emotions. I know there are some people who can't stand to hear your emotions. You ever had people who won't allow you to have emotions? Anybody I'm the only person that have to deal with people they get to have all the emotions they want But you can't ever have emotions and whenever you have an emotion they got the same one you had well since we talking about it i got I Guess I'm the only one in the world y'all gonna sit there I'm glad y'all don't have to deal with people like I have to deal with people But every now and then when I want to have emotions I can't have emotions because then people want to tell you how they feel about how you feel about how you feel Not with God. He will let you have your emotions. As long as you don't let go of your faith. You can give him your anger. You can give him your frustrations. Just hold on to your faith. Go, go, go in the storeroom of your life and say, Lord, here's my anger, and this is my faith. I'm going to hold on to that. But here's my attitude. Here is my complaint. Here is my frustration. Here is my anger. I'm going to hold on to my fear. Here is everything but my faith. I'll keep that. And holding on to your faith is cooperating with God. Because holding on to your faith, your faith is what God uses to pull you through. Your faith is what God uses to sustain you. Your faith is what God uses to stabilize you. Your faith is what God uses to get grace to you. Your faith is what God uses to get mercy to you. Hold on. Tell your neighbor, hold on to your faith. You watching, you at home, hold on to your faith. I don't know what kept you in the bed, but hold on to your faith. I don't know what's keeping you from the sanctuary, but hold on to your faith. One of the best statements I've heard about cooperating with God is this. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. And I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God even when he's silent. That's cooperation. That's faith. When the situation looks hopeless even though there's a time delay, you keep on hoping because you understand through faith that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. One of the things we have to learn as spoiled brats in the kingdom is that there's a difference between no and not now. We can't deal with delays because we equate delays to destruction. Delays never destroy God's purposes for your life. God may be late by your timing, but remember, he doesn't exist in time. Late is only an option for those who live in time. Late is not an option for somebody who eternally is. We got to have the attitude of Job no matter what happens. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm going to pray expectantly. Because here's the lesson understand this you're never defeated. Until you lose your patience. I told you James wrote this to suffering. A suffering church. Remember he said in James chapter 1 verse 2. We love this scripture. Count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. They're undergoing enormous pressure. Enormous persecution. They're they're undergoing intense suffering. And three times in this chapter, James talks about the coming of the Lord. Why? He's talking about patience. He's saying, listen, unless you see him crack the sky like glass, the game ain't over. There's always a chance. This is going to sound like double talk. There's always a chance for a comeback till he comes back. And I know a lot of us have been waiting on a lot of things. Some people have been praying for a child to come back home, some people have been praying. For marriage to get right some people have been praying for a spouse some people have been praying for a significant other to come to the Lord some people have been praying for pressure to be let off your life financial pressure uh, uh, some people have been praying for a job some people have been praying for one thing or another praying from deliverance you've been praying and crying and praying and crying but he won't take the thorn out of your flesh he won't remove your habit your hang-up or your hurt Maybe God, well, let me just not say, I don't know why God has delayed some of the answers to your deepest requests. But I do know this, he's still in control. I don't know what's going on, but I know he's in control of what's going on. So what do I do? I wait. What do I do? I prepare myself. I get myself ready. What do I do? I learn how to get quiet and let God speak to me so I can know him better. Then I learn how to cooperate with God and let him use my faith. He just, you know, he used Job to show his friends who he really was. I just can't let nobody take advantage. I just can't let nobody talk. man. I ain't going to let nobody get away with that. Oh, they didn't get away with it. Because God told Job, now you get double for your trouble and y'all go do it. Some of y'all missed that. You'll catch it later. 1 Thessalonians, I'm done, Chris. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24 says, he who calls you faithful will surely do it. You just got to know in your mind that God is going to do everything he said he's going to do it. I can't see how he's going to do it. You ain't called to see it. You called to receive it. Oh, How do I hold on? You don't know how long I've been waiting. I don't. You don't know how tough it's getting. I don't. You don't know how close to the deadline or how far past the deadline I am. You're right, I don't. But here's what I do know. Philippians 1 and 6 says, and I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion after the day of Jesus Christ. Which means he's going to finish before you're finished. But God is really good. He, He knows how to make the waiting room comfortable. Anybody here ever been in a waiting room, hospital, or a doctor's office? And uh, you ever been in a waiting room with a child, a child's waiting room? Have you noticed that children's waiting rooms are different than ours? In our waiting room, they got stuff that none of us read. Time magazine National Geographic, I don't know how many times you can read them travel magazines on the airplane. But gee, in a child's waiting room, there are games, there are toys, and sometimes slides. Why? Because the doctor understands the anxiety that comes from anticipation but he also knows that he can distract children by giving them something to enjoy it empowers them to endure <clears throat> One, two, three, four, five people got it I'm going to say it again He knows that by giving them something to enjoy, it empowers them to endure. Let me show you how God has prepared your waiting room for your life. Anybody here waiting on God to answer? Anybody here really been praying for God to handle something and he hadn't handled yet? Anybody been praying for God to do something and he hasn't done it yet? And, and can you feel the anticipation? Can you feel the anxiousness? That's why God gave you joy because he knows joy will help you hold on for a little while. That's why he keeps giving you a little peace because peace will let you hang in there. That's why he keeps letting you smile because your smile will let you hang in there. That's why he keeps showing you the sunshine because a little sunshine goes a long way. He knows how to outfit your waiting room so that while you're waiting, You can enjoy your time. I don't know who I'm talking to here today. But I don't want you to leave here the same way you came. I want to take a few minutes. I want my intercessors to come forward really quick. Because I want you to leave here differently. These intercessors, they're here to pray with you. Y'all give me like five minutes. I promise you we won't be here long but for that person who really needs it for that person who's desperate for God for that person who's on the verge and really 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 needs somebody to stand and agree with you I want you to come down here really quick they're just going to pray with you you don't even have to tell them what's going on in your life they know how to talk to the Lord and the Lord knows how to handle what they're not even mentioning but I don't want you to leave here the same way you came in You may not need the intercessors to pray with you. Can you do me a favor? Can you pray for somebody who needs one? It may not be you. We used to sing this song. It's not my mother, it's not my father. It's me. Here right now, God.
1: now you can stay even here
0: right now in the name of jesus god i'm praying that you're hearing every prayer i'm praying that you're hearing every request i'm praying that you're hearing every cry some are praying at the altar god some are crying out from their seats there's some right now god who they're on the edge there's some right now they're on the verge they're out there with sin they're at the end of their rope they've done everything they know to do and the last thing we know to do is the first thing we should have done in the first place we come to you and we cast it on you because you said cast all your burdens on me because I care we bring it to you right now God because there's nowhere else we can go there's nowhere else we want to go Nobody else has the power to heal. Nobody else has the power to deliver. Nobody else has the power to lift us. Nobody else has the power to set us free. So God, while we're waiting and working, work it out for us. While we're holding on to our faith, God never let us go. answer prayers right now. God, I pray that when somebody goes home, there's an answer to prayer sitting in the home. I pray that somebody's getting a text message right now. That's an answer to prayer. Somebody's going to check a voicemail that's going to have an answer in it. Somebody's going to get an email. Somebody's going to get a letter. Somebody's going to get some news delivered to them that's going to be an answer to prayer. Do it right now, God. The only reason we ask you is because we know that you will. We ask in faith. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name.